Radio Theater Project. Radio Theater Project. A radio drama series featuring comedy, science fiction, and mystery. 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 Old stories and new. Radio Theater Project. Theater of the mind for today. Crime Thrillers presents the mysterious Madame Sarah. In the dark days of the 1930s, there was a woman preying on the weak, a wicked lady who went by the name of Madame Sarah. This time, it's the return of the wicked woman, based on the stories by L.T. Mead and Robert Eustace, adapted for radio by Heather Elliott. Druce? Herrick Vandeleur. What brings you to my office? Come in, come in. I hope I'm not bothering you. Your secretary was on the phone and waved me back. No problem. What can I do for you? Nothing wrong, I hope. No, I'm fine. Have you heard anything about Madame Sarah recently? She seems to have dropped out of the public eye, and that makes me nervous. I haven't heard anything. I'm beginning to think she may have left New York City altogether. I hope you're right. (sighs) If there's anything I've learned from tracking her, it's that she strikes like a copperhead. Swift, sudden, and unforeseen. That woman should be locked up to keep her genius for murder away from the general public. I agree, Vandeleur. I actually stopped by to invite you over tomorrow night. I'm having a game of billiards with some of the boys at the police station and thought you might like to come on over. Sure, I'll come. Thanks for asking. Lucky you caught me this afternoon. I'm just on my way out to visit with an old friend over at the hotel. For a case? More of a favor. I'm meeting a young woman I've known since she was a child. Her father died under unusual circumstances, and she wanted me to talk with her uncle about it. He was there when it happened. Well, as always, give me a call if you need any help. Let's hope I don't need your coroner skills. Yes, let's hope. But now I should be heading out. Till tomorrow. Till tomorrow. Helen, how good it is to see you again. Mr. Drews, thank you so much for coming. It's been, what, a year? No, two since I've seen you. And look at you now. I still half expect to see the little curly-haired girl I first met so long ago. I'm 23 now, Mr. Druce, and engaged to be married. You know that. Gottfried is your good friend. I'm teasing you, Helen. But what about you? Have you made any plans for the wedding? No. Gottfried is working in Sacramento as an accountant with a merchant company. Until he can work enough to support us, we must wait. Of course. Sound judgment there. Your letter mentioned your uncle. Is he around? He'll be back in a few minutes. I think he went to get a soda drink. Your father's death must be hard on you. I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. I'm all right. After Mother died, he sent me to live with my spinster aunt in New York without a penny to my name. You've done very well for yourself, Helen. You've got nothing to be ashamed of. You see... Everyone hated my father. He won some kind of lottery, or maybe it was money from when he was in the army in the Great War. Anyway, he bought an old mansion on the coast of Maine. A beautiful estate on the heights above the shore, built nearly a hundred years ago. Helen, I brought you a soft drink, too. Thank you, Uncle Peter. Um, This is my old friend, Mr. Dixon Druce. We've been catching up while you were gone. Pleased to meet you, uh... Uh, Buford, Peter Buford. Helen's mother was my sister. 
Henry Sherwood and I have been friends for years. He asked me out to the estate a few months ago after he bought it. I've been living there for, oh, five or six years now. Tell him everything you told me about father and the estate. Well, for the past few months, Henry Sherwood has been acting, well, to be blunt, insane. He's always been eccentric, but this was different. He seemed to be on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Father never visited me, but he did write occasionally. He told me once that the mansion was supposed to be haunted by the ghost of a monk who was murdered there shortly after it was built. Sherwood seemed to think the ghost was haunting him. Well, then he claimed to have seen it. I've never seen anyone so terrified. He said he saw a dark figure leaning out of the third floor window with a horrible white face and large, black, unblinking eyes. Did you see anything? Nothing. I, I tried to keep his mind off of it, but he grew obsessed with finding that ghost. Three weeks ago, I put my foot down and convinced him to take a vacation and get away from that awful mansion. He agreed, but... It's all right, but, Uncle. <sighs> Uncle told me the night before they were going to leave, he was woken up by horrible screams. It was my father yelling for him to come outside. He ran out to the front and looked up, and he saw my father up on the widow's walk in such terror, acting like something was chasing him. Sherwood threw himself off the roof. The three-story fall killed him instantly. I saw a figure that night leaning over the edge of the widow's walk, a dark figure all in black with an unnaturally smooth and white face with wide black holes for eyes staring down at me unblinking the next moment was gone. Could it have been shadows? No, no. It was a full moon. Uh, who else was at the mansion that night? Uh, no one. Not, not even old Svensson, the caretaker. He'd gone off to visit his family in Vermont. Mr. Buford, I'm assuming you know your brother-in-law's final affairs. Is there any reason someone would play such a ghastly trick? Absolutely none. And you never saw the ghost before then? No, never. What did you do after Sherwood was killed? Well, the estate is isolated. It took some time for the police to arrive. They said it was suicide and refused investigation of the, of the ghost. He was buried the next day. What's to be done with the property? Well, his will is quite eccentric. It appears his passion for the haunted mansion is morbid. He was also a lot richer than I had imagined. How rich? It matters in a situation like this. $70,000 plus the estate. That is a lot of money. Yeah. The gist of his will says that Helen must live on the property if she wants to get her full inheritance. Well, what if she doesn't live there? The estate will be sold, and then my inheritance gets sent to a Boston charity. Sherwood had told me he wants the mansion to stay in the family, for Helen. I'm to receive $10,000 if I'm able to persuade Helen to move there to live. If she refuses, I lose the money. Well, that's unusual. Helen gets a mansion, and you get $10,000. I can see a dilemma. Now, Helen, are you afraid to live there? You know, this inheritance means you and Godfrey will be able to get married now instead of waiting. I don't think I could live there with this horrible, unexplained mystery. But you're right, Mr. Drews. Besides, I'm willing to do everything I can to find out the truth of my father's death and this ghost monk he saw. Could you help us, Mr. Druce? Helen was confident that you would. It's what I do, Mr. Buford. No one else in New York is better fitted to figure this out. I have lots of experience with such cases. Let me think over the facts and see what should be done next. And of course, I will help you in any way possible. 
When do you plan to return to Maine? Helen said you came down a few days ago. Well, as soon as I possibly can. Excuse me, but I promised to meet a lady friend in half an hour. She's very busy, and I, I mustn't keep her waiting. I'll be in touch, Mr. Buford. It was a pleasure having met you. Goodbye, Uncle. He told me he was going to meet with a very important person, but, but there, I mustn't keep you, Mr. Druce. It has been wonderful seeing you again, Helen. Before you leave, Mr. Druce, honestly, what do you think about all this? Don't worry, Helen. We'll find out what's going on and get it settled. Operator, connect me to the CISA Hotel. Yes, I'll, I'll hold. Hello? I'd like room 318. Thank you. Mr. Buford. Yes, this is Dixon Druce. I've just been given a few weeks of vacation from work, and I thought I might be able to go back to Maine with you and take a look around for myself. Wonderful. Yes. And I'll stop by and let Helen know. Of course. I can be ready by then. Yes, sir. Have a good day. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting vacation. Come in. Oh, Mr. Druce, I didn't expect you. I'm sorry, the living room is such a mess. My apartment is small and I have nowhere else to pack. Are you moving? I've made up my mind. The day after tomorrow, I'm going to Maine to investigate this mystery for myself. You're an honest, brave girl, Helen. But really, it isn't necessary. I'm going with your uncle. Oh, you are? We can solve it together. What on earth put that idea into your head? It wasn't my idea, really. I, I could hardly sleep last night after we talked, and this morning I had an unexpected visitor. Madam Sarah thought it would be... Madam Sarah? You mean to tell me you know that woman? She's one of the most unscrupulous I've people... I've known her for several years, Mr. Druce. That woman is dangerous. You must have nothing to do with her. Nothing. You understand? Don't be prejudiced, Mr. Druce. She's been a kind friend, even getting me some tutoring positions, and I admire her greatly. I hardly think that you should be in... You won't change my mind, Mr. Druce. She drove over this morning just because she happened to speak with Uncle Peter yesterday, and he told her all about the predicament I'm in, and she said that... It was most important for me to investigate the matter myself. You aren't pleased, Mr. Druce. What's bothering you? I'd rather not see right now, but I can say I'm glad I'm going with you. You are my kindest and best friend, Mr. Druce. Madam said you might want to come. She said you're the cleverest man she's ever met. Ah, uh, there is one man more clever, and his name is Eric Vandeleur. She didn't mention him at all to you. No. Who is he? I've never heard of him. Never mind, then. I'll leave you to your packing. I have a billiards game tonight with an old friend. What's the matter, Druce? Bored already? Sorry, my mind is elsewhere. Remember yesterday how you asked about Madame Sarah? Yes. I met with Helen Schobert again this morning. She said that woman convinced her to go live in a haunted mansion in Maine, where, I might add... Her father just died after apparently seeing a terrifying ghost. Hmm. Any motive that you can see? Nothing. 
The deceased father's will is very eccentric, but doesn't seem to be something Madam would ever be after. There's no doubt. If Madam Sarah is mixed up in this, there's a motive somewhere, and there's nothing supernatural. It's not safe, but Helen is attached to Madam Sarah and won't listen to my warning. I'm going with her. That could very well save her life. Forewarned is forearmed. I would come along, but I have an open case to work on. I'll keep an eye on that crazy woman and let you know the minute she does something out of the ordinary. Thanks. Before I leave, I'm going to stop by her shop and visit. Why, Mr. Druce, what brings you here? Not looking for a special ointment or procedure, are you? I thought I'd stop by and visit for a moment. I was in the area. Don't lie, Mr. Druce. You only stop by when you think I'm up to something. Are you? Just my normal practice. Helen Sherwood says you stopped by to visit her yesterday and convinced her to go to Maine. Oh, such a sweet woman. The poor dear has had a hard time. I hope she succeeds at her current endeavor. I will protect her to the extent of my ability. And if you are involved in this matter, I'll have you I'm quite busy, Mr. Druce. Have a safe and pleasant holiday. Welcome to beautiful Bangor, Maine, my friends. I am Emmanuel Sosa, Mr. Sherwood's lawyer, and you must be his lovely daughter, Helen. Yes, you know my uncle, of course, but this is my good friend, Mr. Dixon Druce. Pleased to meet you. How was your train trip? Long and tiring. You've come from New York to investigate the mystery of your poor father's death. I'm sure you want to look at his will and estate documents? Please. Here they are. Thank you. Oh, dear. I, I don't understand all these legal terms. You will look through these with me, won't you, Uncle Peter? And you also, Mr. Druce? Of course. Yes, it, it seems to be just what your uncle told me. Uh, Mr. Drews and I are going out to the estate, Mr. Sousa. So am I. My dear young lady, is that really necessary? The mansion is lonely and not at all suitable for a lady like yourself to stay comfortably. I've come all this way and I won't sit around. My friend Mr. Drews and Uncle Peter are both going and so will I. I want this mystery solved once and for all. I wouldn't sleep in that place for $4,000. You think the ghost is real? Uh, oh, yes. They say a monk was treacherously murdered there, and that is the reason, Miss Sherwood, your father got it so cheaply. Supernatural or not, I will get to the bottom of this. Druce, I have business of my own that I wish to tend to before we leave. You see, Mr. Sousa, once we clear up this mystery... I will have my inheritance, and Godfrey and I can finally marry. I mean to figure this out so that Miss Sherwood can take ownership of the mansion and associated property. What if you fail? Ghosts have a way of hiding when you want to see them. I don't anticipate failure. We're headed out to the estate immediately. Oh, but we can't leave today. Uncle said we needed to get some supplies and he had some business to do. We won't be able to leave for a few days. Very well. Thank you for your time, Mr. Sousa. I'll call your office if there's anything else you can help us with. I'm so glad we're finally on our way. 
It's been awful to sit in the hotel wondering. I feel such a strange terror every time I think about that awful face Uncle Peter described. It'll be late in the evening when we reach the mansion. You're not taking this case lightly, I see. What do you mean, Uncle Peter? I don't understand. Well, I told the lawyer Susa to come out here after us if he doesn't hear from us in three days. I also brought three revolvers, one for each of us to use. Now, I suspect this ghost monk is really a matter of trickery and unknown motives. I do think I'll feel safer with a revolver by my side. Thank you, Mr. Drews. I sent word that we were coming tonight. Svensson will have supper ready for us and to make sure the rooms are all ready. Now, now that supper's over, I'd like to make a suggestion. Go ahead, Mr. Drews. We're listening. Everyone says that ghosts prefer to appear only to one person at a time. Uncle Peter said Swenson said he saw the ghost three nights ago. I must admit it startled me. It, it's never appeared to Svensson before. Well, this is exactly why we must get to the bottom of this quickly. The mansion is laid out in the shape of a U with a courtyard in the center. I think we should take a room in each of these sections so that we all have a view of the courtyard. Uh, uh, I suppose you, you're right, Mr. Druce. We mustn't be afraid. Well, I thought perhaps rooms closer together would be more comfortable, but of course you're right. Ghosts are unpredictable creatures. You said that Svensson had rooms prepared for us. Where are they located? All three are in the same wing of the mansion. The power's been a bit spotty out here the past few months, so I'll have Svensson bring out a few lanterns before I show you to the rooms. This was your father's room, Helen. Do you want to stay here? Yes, I think I will. The furniture is large and antique, and I like it. I don't think I could sleep here. Not with the memories of his mangled body laying in this room waiting for burial. We won't talk of memories tonight. I'm exhausted. And I'm not at all afraid to fall asleep. Mr. Druce, where will you be staying? I'd feel safer knowing in case I need to find you. This room faces out to the courtyard. I think I'll take that room over there on the right wing. We can see each other if we both stand by our windows. I'll take a room in the left wing. That puts each of us about the same distance apart. Uh, Mr. Drews, you and I should leave and let Helen settle in for the night. I hate to leave us so far from help. Nothing will happen. I can guarantee that. I am dead tired. The moment I lay my head on my pillow, ghost or no ghost, I'll sleep till morning. This is the most beautiful view of the ocean I think I've ever seen. Admiring the scenery, Drews? A sunrise over the ocean is beautiful. Of course, watching the sun come up at sea is stunning. We can't let this place leave the family. Helen will live here. Look up there behind you on the widow's walk. Yes? It was from that very spot her father fell to his death. It's hard to imagine something so dark and tragic happening in a beautiful place like this. Or to see a ghastly face peering at you through the darkness. Come along, Buford. After breakfast, you, Helen, and I are going to explore this mansion from cellar to attic. If you can arrange it, I want Svensson to spend the night elsewhere. That leaves just the three of us to find this ghost monk. He has family just over the border in Vermont. He'll be glad to leave for a few days, I'm sure. There's the bell for breakfast. After we're done, we can search the house for any sign of intruders. How are you feeling, Helen? It's beginning to get dark, and you spent the whole day wandering the mansion. I feel fine, Mr. Drews. Supper was even better than yesterday, and I, I slept well. What plans do you have for tonight? Svensson has left for a few days, and we put a thin string across each of the doors to see if someone breaks in. 
Mr. Drews also suggests that he and I split the night watch into two parts. I'll go on patrol until one in the morning, and then Mr. Drews will take over until dawn. I'll stay up for a watch, too. No, no, dear Helen. You mustn't. At least for tonight, Helen. You'd better let us stay up. Trust the matter to us and sleep soundly. Believe me, this will be the best. Well, I'm going to get ready for my watch. I'll see you in the morning, Helen, and you at one, Mr. Drews. Please let me stay up with you, Mr. Drews. I'm overwhelmed with a strange sense of terror. I, I, I won't sleep a wink tonight. I know it. Helen, I don't think it's safe for you to be... Then let me stay by your side when you're on patrol. No, that won't do. If two of us are together, a ghost or whatever human is pretending to be a ghost won't show itself. Go on to bed, and tomorrow night, if we still haven't found anything, you may join us in the night watch. Very well. Come. I'll walk you to your room. <sighs> One o'clock and I haven't slept a wink. Helen's fear has me worried. Is that you, Buford? Yes, it's time for you to take your watch. You didn't see anything? Nothing. The moon is bright, the night is glorious. In my opinion, the ghost monk won't appear tonight. <sighs> this night air is damp and cold. It's giving me chills. Those dark windows, too. I feel like someone is watching me from there. Mr. Drews. Helen, you nearly give me a heart attack. Look up there. To your right. The ghost monk. It's like Buford described, shrouded in black with arms crossed. Waxy face and unblinking eyes. Call for my uncle. Right now, call him loudly. Buford! Buford, it's here! The ghost monk is here! It's vanished. Go follow it. I'll wait here for you. Buford, where are you? I'm over here, Drews. This is where we saw the ghost. Right here on the second floor. You, you saw it too? Yes. And so did Helen. It stood right here by this window. I, I was awake and I heard your shout. I rushed over to my window and saw the ghost clearly, so I followed here to this room. You swear you saw it? It was the face of a monk. Yes, I swear. Wait. Un un unhand me, Drews. Listen to me. You and I are alone in this section of the mansion. Helen Sherwood is standing right there in the courtyard. You can see her through the window. There's not another living being in this place. Either the whole thing is supernatural, or you are the ghost. Me? Are you mad, man? I may very well be, but you must prove to me right now whether or not you are pretending to be the ghost. Prove to me that you are not hiding a mask. Very well. You may search my clothing. Nothing. There's nothing but... Damn it, I wish there were. The awfulness of this whole thing is driving me mad. Look at that girl standing by herself in the courtyard. Whoa. Why are you shaking? Because of this nameless fear. Remember, I saw her father, filled with terror, running along the widow's walk before throwing himself off the roof. He was dashed to pieces on the very spot where Helen is standing. Get her to come in, Druce. I'll go speak with her. Helen? Yes, Mr. Druce. I talked with the uncle. He saw the ghost, too. I checked his clothing to make sure he wasn't pretending to be the ghost, but there was nothing. 
he wants you to come in now. I've not given up yet, Mr. Druce. Nor do I mean to. I suspect foul play. As I stood here and watched you and Uncle Peter talking to each other by that window, I, I felt convinced. I'm more convinced than ever that... Oh, good heavens, look! What's that? Where? To the right! The ghost! Oh! It is human after all. I thought it was. Come quickly, Mr. Druce. I need to know who it is. There. On the floor by the window. It's the monk. Wide-eyed and white-faced. I hardly dare to look. Is it moving? Stay by my side, Helen. The body's still warm. Helen, go find your uncle. <laughs> look! Dear God, it's Peter Buford. Oh. You shot him in the chest. I see it all now. The face of the monk is painted on the back of his head, and he's covered it with a wig. I would never have guessed he wore a wig. Yes, it was me and Svensson helped. I was mad to risk one more appearance. <coughs> but I'm dying now, so you may as well know it all. I found Silver here six months ago. I knew the house was thought to be haunted, so... <coughs> So I prayed on Sherwood's fears, and when he was teetering on the brink of insanity, I appeared as the ghost monk. Then my father didn't. <coughs> I threw him off the widow's walk with my own hand. The term of the will wouldn't cast suspicion on me. I would have driven you away, Helen, if your shot had not been so accurate. You failed, Buford. You didn't expect Helen to be such a determined woman. <coughs> There's a safe in the banquet hall with the maps of where exactly on the property you can find the silver mines. But you would have lost $10,000 by frightening me away. Those mines will bring millions of dollars. How did you paint the back of your head so realistically? <clears throat> Five months ago, I went to New York to visit a friend. She promised to help. She suggested and planned the whole scheme. <clears throat> she made the wig herself, and she painted that awful face on my bald head. That woman. <laughs> Who is she? You thought I had a mask. You were right, but I fooled you all. <laughs> Who is that woman? Sarah the Great. <laughs> the Invincible. <sighs> and that's what happened, Vandaloo. Quite a vacation, don't you think? Well, that's a scheme worthy to remember, Druce. Madam Sarah must have gone out there to help or to warn Buford. We lost track of her after she took an airplane from New York. I'm glad it's all over. The local police are taking care of Svensson, and Sherwood's lawyer is turning the estate completely over to Helen. That's good to hear. Can she bear to live there after two deaths? That woman has the strongest nerves I ever seen. Once all the papers are taken care of, she and Godfrey will be married. She telephoned him. He's going to take a train from Sacramento next month. I hope that's the end of Madam Sarah. I'm tired of these harrowing near misses. So am I. Madam Sarah may have vanished. But at least we discovered the truth of the ghost monk. Crime thrillers presented the mysterious Madame Sarah in The Return of the Wicked Woman, based on the stories of L.T. Mead and Robert Eustace, adapted for radio by Heather Elliott. Starring Rebecca Murray as Madame Sarah, Roy Nessel as Dixon Druce, and Reed Thompson as Eric Vandeleur. In the cast were Christine Yautzi as Helen Sherwood, David Johnson as Peter Buford, Innocencio Valderrama as Manuel Sousa. I'm your announcer, Anne Bodelnash. Theme music by Camille Sansan. Dance Macabre, performed by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Production assistant Dave Johnson. 
Dialogue editing and sound design by Jay Charles. Recording engineer, Juan Arkeen. Recording technician, Carla Ayala. Directed by Bobby Wiley. Produced by Joseph C. McGuire. Recorded at KSVR Studios in Mount Vernon, Washington. This is a Radio Theater Project presentation. This program is supported with a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.